We've got a lot to go through on today's show with you. I know we say that to you every day, but that is the, the, the cycle, and thankfully that is the reality of the game of golf with, with how the news continues to churn. Uh, Rory had some compelling quotes, which I want to get to in just a second. Uh, you know, another thing that I want to get to today I kind of promised this yesterday. Maybe I'll do this towards the end of the show because I'm curious what you guys think. I'm curious what Dominic thinks about all this. Where I said, are we at the greatest point of sports throughout the year? With everything that's going on. Monday, we saw the wrap-up of the college football season, right? Michigan won. And as I say that, some people, are they're, you know, they're, they're biting their lip. They hate it. Other people are cheering. That's sport. Right? Last night, NCAA hoops and and men's and women's NCAA basketball is in its full throes right now. Number one, Purdue lost to Nebraska, who was unranked. Number two, Houston lost to Iowa State, 57-53, which I thought was interesting, Dom, low-scoring game. But you've got the NFL playoffs coming up. There's news coming out right now. They're saying that the Chiefs-Dolphins game on Saturday – could be, might be, the coldest game of all time, they're saying. Which, which, if you look into it and look at the Ice Bowl in 1967, I think it was like, I don't know, 50 below windshield or something crazy. So they're talking about Saturday night. It could be, it could be that level of There's of no cold. way it's going to be that cold, by the way. Dom's saying there's no way it's going to be that cold. I saw one estimate that was like nine below, but then there's 10 to 15 mile per hour wind chill. So somebody uh, out the there knows it. The ice ball was literally like negative 15. Yeah. That was, that was the, the, the field temperature without the wind. The ice I mean, ball. there are stories of Cowboys, of Green Bay. Referees blowing their whistle and the little bead inside is frozen and doesn't go anywhere and it was sticking <laughs> to the referee's yeah. lips. They're yeah. going, and then they couldn't get the thing off their lips. <laughs> right. But, I mean, if, what I'm saying, though, if, Come on, if, you, if you've seen what's going on in the NHL right now, there's a huge battle. We're not even close to the end of the NHL season, but there's a huge battle going on for the predominant teams. Most wins, most points. And I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about in divisions. I'm talking about across the NHL. It's incredible what's going on. Liverpool's atop the, the Premier League, which which immediately make, raises the the profile of sports globally. So I'll ask you, now you, you, you came on, Don, to talk to me about the, the freezing of the whistle. Average wind chill. Hold on. I, I want to read a couple things about yeah, the, the ice bowl. This is insane. I don't know why we're talking about this. The game time temperature good. was negative 15. The average wind chill under the... <laughs> Under the National Weather Service's wind chill index implemented in 2000, the average wind chill was negative 36. Mm-hmm. Negative 36. They were outside. <laughs> the field began to freeze gradually in the extreme cold, leaving an icy surface that became worse and worse as the game went on. Can you imagine getting tackled on that? <laughs> oh, man. I was just, oh. So, Don, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm I'm trying to figure out, are we right now at the pinnacle point, if you're a sports fan, generalized sports fan, across the board, all kinds of stuff, 
Are you at a point right now where you're like saying, I don't know what other part of the year across the board, not just your particular sport that you love. I get it in golf. Maybe in golf, it's the Masters week for you. Maybe it's also because NCAA basketball. Uh, I don't know. But I'm just saying in sports in general, right now, there's so much going on. Right? we got the Super Bowl coming up right right around the corner. Are we at a point right now where in in the cold of winter and with these storms ripping across the country, if you're a sports fan, man, talk about a buffet. You can feast. Yes, we are. The answer to that question is yes. I Personally, for me, this probably is the best time of year for sports. I'm going to read one more sentence from this. During warm-ups, the brutal cold, the woodwind instruments froze, and they wouldn't play. And the mouthpieces of the brass instruments got stuck to the lips of the players. Seven members of the band were transported to hospitals for hypothermia. Oh, wow. my God. There's Christmas no way story. the game, this, the, the, the Chiefs game is going to be like this. Okay? It's just not. But yes, you got to look up the information question, now. I, not, journalistically, I, I, now I, that if you're going to challenge it, you got to look up and see what the comparison is. Fine. I'll look it up. Uh, you're talking but, about but one I, of those polar vortexes say, again in the next couple of days. I don't even know yeah, what that is, whatever. but it sounds so, ominous. So the question of the day, based on your comment, now, for me, it is this time of year, personally. For me, it is this time of year. That Would you just said, make up I the question sports. of the day on the fly? No. You, you, when you were talking, I was like, that's a good question. Let's use that. All right. So the question so is, so what time with of the year is the best for sports? Right now, June-ish, right? Because there's a lot going on right there in the dead of summer. October-ish, right? Baseball. All right, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's let's go piece by piece. If you go June-ish, you're talking about like uh, end of NHL playoffs, NBA. Talk to me about your June. Justify your June-ish. All right, June-ish is the absolute heart of the golf season, right? At least in my opinion, okay. you've got, it's like dead in the middle. Like the, you know, you're entering in July when the Open Championships happening. You're basically you got the U.S. US Open Open's in June. Happening. Everything's going on all at once. It's right in the middle. You know, you're basically at that point, roughly through two major championships, and you're you're just in the heart of all of it. You're about to and be through three if you're counting June. But okay, yeah. And it's the, well, well, I said June-ish. So I think, and and then yes, the NBA playoffs are going on which are long. My wife hates the NBA playoffs because I watch a lot of basketball then because the NBA playoffs, they have these ridiculous long seven-game series and it takes forever. The NBA playoffs is like a month. It's like all of June, June and July. So you've got that going on. And then you said the NHL is going on. There's a lot going on in June. And then you move to October-ish, right? And I was going to write September, October-ish because you're basically talking about the end of the golf season, which can be exciting. There's traditionally uh, going to be the President's Cup or the Ryder Cup taking, out of time, or taking place around that time, plus the Solheim Cup. And then you've got baseball playoffs going on. There's a yep. lot going on at that time of year as well. NHL starting up. my last up. option, correct. My, my, my last option was who knows, which is just, you know, there's a lot of sports going on all the time. Depending oh. on what sport is your fancy, it's exciting. And I, I, I'll, I'll admit, globally, I don't know much about IPL and cricket and F1. I don't know their schedules very well. I don't know where they coincide on the calendar. The, uh, so there's the, different the times Premier of year League, that people the, are into this stuff. They, they, they're going to wrap up in May. And what, are the, what I like about them that's different, just, as, just so you, as an aside, I'm a Liverpool fan. But if you win the regular season, you won the trophy. So it's different where many sports have a playoff system 
and sports are entertainment and they are business and playoffs are big money. The premiership is based on the old tradition. It says, wait a minute, you've, you've have worked your tail off all year to finish at the top of the league. If you do so, you win. Congratulations. Here's a trophy. So I, I think that's really cool. The other thing they do with is, which is stunning. And think about this in reference to say major league baseball. If you finish in the bottom three on the table, you're kicked out of the league. Right? Out. You go. And then they bring in the top three, uh, the tier below. So I just that kind of stuff is cool. But another fancy. So what are you getting so far on your, on your voting, Dom? Well, obviously it's very early. But right now it's 18% are saying now. 36% are saying June-ish. Again, there's okay. a, it's a moving window a little bit. October-ish, end of September-ish, 18%. And then who knows, 27%. So it's pretty split evenly, and you've got a nice chunk of people that are just like, hey, listen, sports are happening all the time. I'm having a great time. Can't be wrong here. Very interesting. Very. What do you I think? Mean, it What's leads, your it, What's it your favorite to, time? I don't know. For me right now, it's very, very good. But that so how June-ish. how would you answer my question? Would you be the who knows? What would you say? No, no, I would, I would, if I, if, if it comes to my head, I'd pick right now, but the June-ish that you put in there is also really good because again, as a Premier League fan, it's going to wrap up in, in May and it, and it, a lot of times it gets very tight and it comes down there. Uh, baseball is, is starting to catch its speed at that time. You've got the, the Masters is behind us. The PGA Championship just took place. You've got the prospect of the U.S. Open uh, on just the men's side of the game alone, getting ready to go to uh, over to Europe and, and to the U.K. for the Open, which is at Royal Troon this year, which I was getting at. This 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 survey question, whenever we do it, or whenever you want to do it, it, I realize it's almost cliche because it's it's asked to people all the time. But I am curious, currently, like, what is their favorite major? By and large, it tends to come back as the Masters because the Masters in this coveted I position. I forgot about Wimbledon. Wimbledon's at the front of July too. That's in the Juneish area. Right. I don't know, man. This is crazy. I don't know. That's what makes it great, though. So. But with, the, with your favorite major, if, and I'm not saying we do this soon. I'm just saying when you think about it, the Masters in that coveted spot because when you have the open wrap-up now in July, right, because the PGA has moved to, to May from, from August, when you have that open wrap-up in July, you don't have another major championship until April. So the build-up, the anticipation is so mighty. And then the other the other factors that I think make Augusta National so unique in that spectrum is that whether you've been to Augusta National or not, all of us feel like we know every inch of the property. Right? We feel like we know the holes, we know the history, all of it. So I think that's probably why the Masters, if you look at it from a rating standpoint, if that's the measure, the, the ratings for the Masters is always the top. So would that be the would that be if you ask the question what's your favorite, would that be the one that people pick? I, I'd just be I'd just curious about that. So as I was telling you about these quotes from Rory, the temperature that I'm, I'm, could could oh, you're fall below zero. So they're looking at about zero degrees, which by the way is negative fifteen without the wind chill, negative thirty six. So we're talking about bare minimum fifteen or eighteen degrees warmer 
at the Chiefs game. That's balmy. So don't come at me with this coldest yeah, game Yeah, don't be garbage. coming at you. Talk to the hand. Garbage. Though. Trash. Yeah. Okay? Total trash. Maybe. It's going to be cold. It's going to be what cold. What do they say the wind chill is going to be? And by the way, in 1967, they didn't have all this equipment and these special jackets and these heaters and all this. Jo- like, they're going to have so much. They're yeah. going to have a giant They were wearing animal fur back in 1967. <laughs> they had nothing. They had nothing then. Nothing. They had like a thin windbreaker on. <laughs> That's yeah. what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And they were asked if they need anything else. They're like, no. All right. So and they walked these uphill com- with no shoes. These comments that Rory made in Dubai are really interesting. I mean, I, one of the things that, that's popping in my mind, I'm like, did Rory get visited by the ghost of like golf's future over the holidays or something? Listen, you, listen to these. And you can see them on your television screen if you're with us on the TV side. And, and let me know your reaction. Quote. Going forward, if everything is on the table, venues have to be a big part of the consideration. We need to make sure the courses are worthy of the players who are going to be competing. Just those two sentences alone caused me to go, whoa, what? When was the last time you heard an open conversation from the top players in the world going, you know what? Let's take a look at the courses that we're playing. In other words, not, let's just not make it about money with these venues. Let's make it about quality, value. I just thought that was a fascinating little kind of nugget to throw in there. He continues, my dream scenario is a world tour. Again, what? Uh, And this part is interesting. Provision that corporate America has to remain a big part of it all. Uh, Okay. I I assume that means to fund it, but then it it gets even more. Saudi Arabia, too. Let me repeat that. The provision of corporate America has to remain a big part of it all. Saudi Arabia, too. That's just basic economics. But there's an untapped commercial opportunity out there. Close quote, just in that first paragraph. There is so much to unpack just with what he said right there. I, I guess I get the part about corporate America and Saudi Arabia because it's a source of funding to pay for it all. Uh, okay. He says it. That's just basic economics. But then the line where he says... But there is untapped commercial opportunity out there. Is that not what Liv is doing? Is that what he's referring to? He continues. Quoting, investors always want to make a return on their money. Revenues at the PGA Tour right now are about $2.3 billion. Full stop there. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I think that's an absolutely fascinating revelation right there. That's why these quotes are are hitting so hard. Continuing. So how do we get that number up to four or six? To me, it is by looking outward. They need to think internationally and spread their wings a bit. I've been banging that drum for a while. Close quote. Again, 
There is so much to unpack there. Now, I know Rory just left the board. I get it. And he said he's been banging that drum while he's on the board. But you have a tour that right now is U.S.-centric. And Rory's saying there's great opportunity outside of, including, but outside. He mentioned the the American corporations have to say, et cetera, et cetera. He's obviously not talking about closing the door, but he's talking about growing beyond. And again, I hear that and I go, that's exactly what people are trying to do. It's... I think it's absolutely fascinating, and I'd absolutely love to know what you guys think about those pieces of information that we just shared with you. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. We could have bullet-pointed his comments, and and there would have been a lot. Dom, you take us deeper on this one. You you carry it this time. I'm amazed by what we're hearing. Well, there's more that, that he's talking about going global here. And you can see the quotes on the screen. And there's a lot more in this story. You can find the story at Golf Digest. He spoke uh, in Dubai ahead of things. I think he was on the back of the 18th after he finished a practice round or something. Whether they are rotated on the new global circuit or we go with the same ones every year, I'm okay with either. The Australian Open, for example, should almost be the fifth major. The market down there is huge with potential. They love golf. They love sport. They have been starved of top-level golf, and the courses are so good. And quote, stop there, Matt. Liv literally said, like, that paragraph when they launched their Adelaide event. Did they not? Yeah, but again, <laughs> there's so much to unpack from, from all of these comments. Like, when he talks about the Australian Open, uh, there's a reason why Jack Nicklaus went down to the Australian Open so many times and won it so many times. It was important. I think I would love this. When he talks about a world tour and in, in, in importance, et cetera, I would love to see a way that national championships mean more than they do right now. Because of who owns venues, because of corporate sponsorship, because of all the things that go into it, right? To win the German Open, to win the Irish Open, to win the Italian Open, to win the French Open, which Byron Nelson won while he was on vacation over there one time, right? To win these national Opens around the globe, Australian Open inclusive, I would love to see them mean more. Go ahead, Dom, sorry. I can continue reading, but I have a question for you before I finish reading. Uh, There's one more paragraph that I wanted to read to you guys. It's probably the most interesting paragraph, but I want to ask a question. Matt, uh, Andrew, go back. I want to ask Matt one question first. Do you think that golf would be in a better spot if venues – this is a bold statement. I'm just asking the question. If venues didn't change – if, if, if we had a schedule of 30 events and they just never changed, they picked 30 incredible venues and that's just what it is. And the reason I say it that way is I'm thinking about, like you, like you think about Augusta National, think about how that connects globally with golf fans and even sports fans. Like you can walk up to almost anybody who's ever even watched five minutes of the Masters and they can tell you that the 16th hole is a par three. Like they literally... Everybody knows that. Everybody. And I'm wondering if there, if, if golf is a sport, because this is how I think now. I think in terms of 
what's the best thing for the sport? Because things are fractured right now. And as Rory said in that podcast we talked about last week, I think the best thing for golf is, is to figure out a way forward together. That's probably the best thing in general for the sport. And if yeah, that's, that's the case, that's what they're working on. Got uh, look, I'll quickly get to the answer question just so we don't, because I, I want to get to that last paragraph by Rory. The reality is, is that the turnover of venues is a tiny percentage. So in essence, what you're talking about already exists. I believe what Rory's talking about is that there is a large percentage of courses that are currently hosting top tier events around the globe on various tours that are average courses. They're average. When you're on venues that are exceptional, notice how many times the venue coming into that particular week becomes a story in and of itself. Because it's such a fascinating place to play. And you hear players talk about how excited they are, et cetera. You could tell. You could tell. It used to be code where, you know, I think it was, I think it was Gary Player that was the first of it that, that used the quip, which was incredibly intelligent. I think Vijay Singh used it too, if I'm not mistaken. They're like, what do you think of the course? It's the finest of its kind. Right? So there really isn't much turnover in terms of new venues, but I think it's fascinating that Rory's suggesting it. Go ahead and take us through the last paragraph so we, so we get them all in. Sure. Uh, still coming from Rory here. Quote, the South African Open is another I'd have in the mix. Then you have places like Singapore and Hong Kong and Japan. What a market Japan represents. That would be another opportunity. We could end up with something that resembles Formula One, but with a little bit more of an American presence. Throw in the four majors, and you have a brilliant schedule for the top 70 to 100 guys, whatever the number is. We'd have to say, say, a 22-event schedule. That would look pretty good to me. Wow. So he's talking about a world tour with 22 events with everybody in the same pot. And Where have I heard J that before? Hmm. <laughs> Japan that he's talking about is the second largest golf market in the world. Think about that. The third largest, anyone? It's South Korea. So United States, Japan, South Korea are the top three, which is fascinating. I just, I just absolutely think it's fascinating. Uh, we need to take a break here, Don. Before we do, just give me a couple of responses that you're getting from the people. Oh, a lot of stuff is coming in. Um, I'll just read what's on the bottom here, but there's a lot coming in. A lot of people are basically saying it's interesting now that Rory seems to be talking in live talking points. Um, Live with Rory is a slam dunk successful tour. <laughs> that they would have the top three players, Rom, Kepka, and Rory. The PGA Tour plays on too many nondescript cookie cutter TPC courses. The PGA Tour does not have the business acumen to manage a global tour. Fairways of Life has been one of the only unbiased golf programs from day one. Hold your heads up high for providing fair journalism. That's a nice comment. <laughs> well, we've got we've got some big Only news coming for you too. Plays are Riviera, Pebble, and Sawgrass. That's what I'm talking about. That that right there you is what I'm talking. Always just go to where the money is. It's instinctual. Golfers want more money and less playing. I can't imagine not wanting to golf every day of my life. Uh, fairness, uh, you know, I understand that emotion. But in fairness, to what Rory's talking about, one of the things that the top players in the world tried to do less of was international travel. It's part of the reason why the PGA Tour blossomed early on because it was a lot easier to travel from Florida to, say, Georgia than going from Scotland to Germany 
even though it's not that much different. It's just different culture, you know, all the, all the logistics that you have to go through. It was just easy to travel around the United States. It's one of the reasons that the PGA Tour has grown as powerful as it has over the years. Fascinating stuff. When we come back, we're going to take a look back on the words that we got from a multiple-time winner on the PGA Tour. And given his position, uh, given his platform, it means something. So from somebody on the inside, when he asked the question, the game of golf at its top competitive level, is it at risk as we return? Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs, the Tour Ball reinvented. The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I've ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date, and they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boynegolf.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. Pleasure to have your company, folks. So you may notice, like, from a production standpoint, it's a little thing, but we're one of the things that we're toying with over the last few days is if you, if you go to the Fairways of Life YouTube page and, and you subscribe to say, the subscribe will tell you when we're going 
right? Dom, tell me, it's like a two-step process to, to do that, right? You got to go on the YouTube page, you got to subscribe, and then you got you to approve notifications or something. Well, you have to enable. It's like privacy issues globally, obviously. So, because all of us have a million apps on your phone, right? So you need. Well, to we're going to get all your information. That's one. Of, that's one part of the you deal. You want to hear from, but if you if you subscribe to us and then you just click enable notifications, every time we go live, you'll get a message that says the two idiots are live talking about golf. If you want to, if you want to watch. <laughs> yeah. Plus, Dom can track all your information throughout the course of the day. I believe. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's your I'll know everything there is to know about you. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, one of the things that we're starting to do is Andrew has this countdown up in the morning, and I don't know when, when he hits it. I'm not sure if he tells us, but at some point, he, he clicks us on early. So you can, if, if it means something to you, you're, it's kind of a picture of what we're doing before we go on the air. Screaming at each other and carrying on. And then off we go. So yesterday we had Billy Kratzer on the show. Billy is a multiple time winner on the PGA tour. He played, like I like to say, uh, when, when giants roamed. So you had huge names, many, 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 many of whom are all in the world golf hall of fame. Uh, most of whom that I'm referring to in this regard are also multiple time major champions during the run of Jack Nicklaus and yet they still had multiple majors too. It was, it was an absolute just bar fight at the top of the game. Didn't have the depth that the game has today, I'll, I'll, I would admit. But at the very, very peak, at the pinnacle, it was as entertaining as ever. You had these different players with different styles from the swings of, uh, of an Arnold Palmer to the likes of, uh, like we were talking about Billy yesterday, a Raymond Floyd or even a Lee Trevino they were unique. They were homegrown. And this was a rough and tumble time as the game continued to evolve. Billy then became one of the game's leading pundits. Uh, analyst is the name that they use, of course, in golf circles. But because of the platform that he was on and his own experience, not only had he been a part of the game competitively for decades, but now he was a part of bringing the message of the game to the world and all these various platforms. So when he joined us, I knew full well what I was asking him. I was curious about his perspective as to where the game has been, is, and what risks lie for the game of golf. Is there a risk for the game of golf in the discussions and in, in the current of in the flow of events happening around it right now? I, you know, I think I think as we talk about the game of golf and and where it is, if we talk about it professionally, then we're going to talk about where you play, what when you play, uh, how much you're paid, whatever. Uh, if you go down the other path, and and then you want to talk about what they're doing with the game and the equipment and everything, well, that's a that's that affects more people. So, I guess Matt. I, I guess my biggest concern uh, with this, with the game of golf and where we are right now is what makes most sense. Um, you know, if, if Rory even said it, you know, we have the, the player, you know, incentive package that, you know, they had a hundred million in there. 
Rory even said it. Hey, if you want to give back to the game, if you want to grow the game, then then go ahead and take that money and then put it towards something, whether USGA or an RNA split it, whatever, whatever, whatever organization. But, you know, do that and, 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 you know, create more goodwill that way. And, you know, cause the guys, the guys will give back, but you know, how do they grow the game? Well, they give back, but you can grow the game if you can, you know, do the funding with the USGA and the RNA and, and whatever. So, I guess my my biggest outlook on on golf right now, Matt, is we have to once again get the people to where they're they're happy with professional golf, and uh, especially on the men's side. You know, we need to get it to where people are more accepting, and they're not doing a, a lot of arguing and, and trying to figure out stuff. Uh, Billy, I think you and I share a, a common mindset from the perspective that I do believe that the game of golf will always prevail. And part of the reason it will prevail is because of the heroes that we love to watch play, uh, but also because of the young people that are continuing to feed into the system. Like this week at the Sony, once again, we're going to get a chance to watch Ludwig Obert. Uh, it, out in Dubai, it's got a great feel in the DP World Tour. We're going to get a chance to watch Rory and a, and a bunch of great players out there as well. But Aubert is one where, from the performance that he had, not only in his own individual right, but also with what he did at the Ryder Cup, uh, again, and I'm not taking away from his individual because it's really exciting, but I think he represents a whole class of young players that are emerging on the game that one day will inherit the mantle of it, but it's very exciting to, to, to watch it because it speaks to that hope. Agreed. And, and when you look at the PGA tour and what they've done and you know, the, the way you perform in, in college and the way that you can jump to the PGA tour, like Aubert did. And then all of a sudden you have the success that Aubert has had up to this point. Uh, that's sensational. And, and I've always said, you're always going to create the stars on the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is where you want to be. This is where you want to start. You can you can certainly make a name for yourself. Um, that's the PGA Tour. That's you're going to you're you're going to see stars every year. On the other hand, the live uh, they're utilizing those stars. And you see that with the Cam Smith, the Kepka, and you can just go down the list. Now you have John Rahm. And so that's why I'm saying you need to blend it together. But the, the stars today, these, these young guys, uh, they had the qualifier down uh, in Ponte Pedro uh, at Sawgrass Country Club and the Valley Course. And... To go out there and watch these kids play under the toughest conditions and shoot some of the scores they shot, they were amazingly good. And, and there's a lot of talent, a lot of young players out there. Uh, but I love the fact that you can jump from college, uh, get in there, you're a senior, you continue on, uh, you can benefit from that. Uh, it's a it's a plus plus for for that person. So, the game of golf, so far as the younger players are concerned, they're in a good spot. 
I mean, they really are. I mean, the tour has really done a nice job in getting that out there and allowing these players to have access to the PGA Tour through playing well in college. It's great. And it's, you know, the, the interesting thing, Billy, is it's not just the young players. Go out, folks, if you had a chance and watch a qualifier for a PGA Tour Champions event. If you don't shoot south of 65, you're not getting in. It is that good. The buffet that is golf. Billy, I'm sure you and I will be working together up at NBC in the months that lie ahead. But thank you very much, as ever, for your time. It's great to catch up. Always enjoy it, Matt. And you have a great 2024. All right, that was Billy yesterday joining us on the show. Fascinating comments. Now, in the interest of cruising along here, because we've, we used up a lot of time talking about a lot of fun stuff, having Gary Woodland back at the Sony Open this week, it, I've been touting it all week as a storyline that I'm really interested in. Until he spoke to the media yesterday, I don't think that any of us fully comprehended everything that he went through with his brain surgery, how serious it was, what he was struggling with. So it already was a good storyline, full stop. It already was that. When you hear what you're about to hear, I think it's going to make the experience even deeper. Here's Gary Woodland. I started feeling some symptoms um, in April, a couple weeks after Augusta. I mean, the big one is I just wasn't feeling like myself, but... It was uh, a lot of jolting, um, especially in the middle of the night, shaking, um, hands were really tremoring, a lot of fear. Um, and that was the one that scared me the most was, I'm a very optimistic person, believe good things will happen. And I was very fear driven every day, uh, mostly around death. And uh, as it got worse, um, you know, loss of appetite, chills, no energy, um, it started getting pretty bad to where I was meeting. I have a performance coach. I'm working with her. Um, it started getting so bad. I called my doctor, R. Sapai, who I've been with for 13 years. And I was like, man, I need something to calm me down. Like almost anxiety. Um, and he's like, Gita, I can't give you anything without an MRI. And I'm like, I'm shaking so bad. He wanted to roll out Parkinson's. Um, and I got an MRI that night and it came back with a lesion. Looks like a tumor on my brain. Um, started going through more testing, more MRIs. They got me to a specialist in Kansas City who explained everything to a T that the jolting and everything I was experiencing at night was actually partial seizures. Um, the fear, the, this lesion in my brain sat on the part of the brain that controls fear and anxiety. So he's like, you're not going crazy. Um, everything you're experiencing is absolutely common and normal for where this thing's sitting in your brain. Um, they got me on anti-seizure medicine immediately. The seizures still continued, so they increased the dose. And once they increased the dose, that started to go down. I started losing memory. I started doing a lot of things. It started happening. The symptoms started getting worse. But the only ones they were worried about was the fear and anxiety. And as the medicine started to increase, my brain started to slow down, and every those seizures started to stop, which was nice for me because I was able to function during the day. But the meds I was on were working for the seizures, but they were horrible for me as a person. I, I had horrible side effects. And that's <laughs> the fear went away for a couple of weeks. And once it came back and I was calling the doctors, they were tracking the brain with monthly MRIs um, to make sure everything was stable and it wasn't growing. But 
when the fear started to come back, the doctor's like, we have to go in. Um, it was pushed on the brain. The part that it's pushing on, they believe that it was growing. And uh, I played through Greensboro. And I, the game, the reason why I kept playing is my game from a physical standpoint felt really good. And I was in positions that I've been trying to get into a long time. And it was a break from what I was dealing with off the golf course. Um, it was hard because we didn't tell anybody. But it was just, we didn't understand either. We didn't know exactly what was going on. And my caddy pulled me aside after Greensboro. We were staying together in the house. My wife was flying out most weekends just because I didn't want to be alone. I was nervous. Sleeping was the worst part because I was just jolting, jumping out of bed with fear. Um, and mostly, like I said, around death. And so my caddy pulled me aside. He's like, Jeff, you can't play this way. You got to go get help, man. You got to get fixed. Um, I mean, I'd be standing over a club and forget which club I was hitting. I'd be lining up putts and I'm like, oh, it's just taking too long. I'm just going to hit it. I just didn't have the focus, the energy. And I went the next week to see a specialist that I was referred to in Miami, which was nice because it was close to home. And he's like, we got to go in. We got to get this out. The only, We can keep ramping up medicine, but the medicine's not slowing down the fear. Um, biopsy, it's too risky from where it was in my brain. He didn't want to go in any more than he had to. Um, so surgery and removal was the next step. They couldn't get it all out from where it is located. It was benign, which is the big deal. If it was cancerous, they would have removed it all, but it's up against my optic tract. Um, so they removed as much as they could and they believe they cut off the blood circulation to what's left. So they're tracking it right now with every three months with MRIs still. I had an MRI right before I came to Hawaii a week and a half ago and everything was stable from surgery. So that's a huge relief for me. Um, so showing up in Hawaii practicing the last 10 days, I had a little bit of relief off my back that it's stable in there right now. And we'll just pray and hope that it continues to not grow. The support from the tour from people outside the golf world has just been tremendous for me and my family. And I, when I woke up and was realized I was okay, um, I was filled with thankfulness and love and that replaced the fear. It was emotional, very emotional because I'd gone four and a half months of every day, really thinking I was going to die. Um, and I was, the doctors kept telling me I was okay, but this thing pushing on my brain on fear and anxiety every day, I mean, it didn't matter if I was driving a car on an airplane, I think the bin's going to fall on me. I just, everything I thought was going to kill me. And so you can imagine leading up to surgery, what I felt, I felt going into having my, my head cut open and, and operated on the fear going into that was, was awful. So, I mean, I felt it was hard on me. It was probably harder on my family, um, for what they had to, you know, they had to deal with me throughout this whole thing um, and try to keep me positive and keep me looking forward. And that was that was hard to do in the moment. So after surgery, I definitely felt relief. One that I could see, one that I had the left side of my body because was, those were the two big risks going in, losing eyesight and losing the left side of my body. Having those when I woke up, um, being able to go home. I spent two days in the ICU um, and then walked out of the hospital. To live, I mean, I'm 39 years old, to live a life one way and then all of a sudden you're not yourself. You have no control. Um, you know, I work hard with performance coaches and psychologists since I was 16 years old. You think you can overcome stuff and I mean, I couldn't overcome this. One, I realized there's a lot of good in this world because the love and support I've had has been unbelievable. Um, even being back this week, seeing the guys, you know, I haven't seen many guys. Um, it's been overwhelming how, how good it's been.
I've learned a lot about myself from the standpoint. I usually people ask me for help and I'm not asking. I'm very fortunate and probably lucky why I'm sitting here being able to play this week that I asked for help because when I was struggling, if I would, if my doctor would have gave me anxiety or some medicine to, to calm me down and not ordered that MRI, who knows how long this would have gone? Who knows how more it would have grown? Um, asking for help helped my process speed up, helped us catch this quicker than we probably would have caught it. Um, and that, that helped me to me and saved me for more than anything. Um, so it's, uh, I can't do it all on my own. I, I need to, the right people around me. And I'm fortunate enough that I had people around me that were willing to help and the right people to get me in the right places. Um, it's definitely, definitely helped me. It's here. So it was a craniotomy. So they, they cut me open all the way down to my ear, opened it up, um, cut about a baseball size hole in my skull and then went in through that um, and then put it back with plates and screws. Um, so I'm got a robotic head, I guess. This week will be a big week. I'm obviously I, I can hit every golf shot I want right now physically. Um, it's can my brain sustain the seven days of of tournament golf? You know, it's different playing with my buddies back home at Pine Tree to come out here and play against the guys on tours. Obviously, a whole nother animal. But can I get back to the focus and <clears throat> energy and stuff I was I'm used to accustomed since I've been on tour? Can that come back? So. And if it's not this week, can I adjust? Can I go home and practice and adjust and work on that focus stuff? But <clears throat> obviously, I'm in the major championships. I'm not in the signature designated events, so I'll need some help getting in those. But I plan on playing a full schedule. I plan on being competitive very quickly. Um, like I said, physically, I can hit any shot I want, and that's not that's not going to be the problem. So I'm looking forward to being back and looking forward to where where I'm at and uh, ex expecting to to be ready very soon. It's another point in today's show where I'm asking you to take in the information we just gave to you that's coming from Gary, of course, and it's almost too much to sort, right? I mean, the mere fact that he said that a baseball-sized hole in his head that now plates and screws and it's incredible. I mean, the comment that he made about not being in, you know, a signature event. There's four sponsors exemptions for every signature event. This is a major champion. This is a guy that, what I love about Gary Woodland is there's the Gary Woodland you think you know, and then the real Gary Woodland that you just saw a glimpse of, right? The Gary Woodland you think you know is a guy that looks like a gladiator when he's out in the golf course former collegiate basketball player, great athlete, hard, stern look. And then you meet a guy, you meet him outside the ropes. He's one of the nicest people you could ever meet. We got to know him a couple of years ago when he had a very special fan interaction that went, of course, viral and global and all the rest. It was really fun and touching. And then we hear this today. And it for me, it reiterates... I guess what it is that that I truly love about this game of golf. And as you know, from a from a show standpoint, we are going to strive to be as journalistically neutral as possible. 
I don't feel like it's my job to tell you what to think. I'm happy to tell you what I think, but I respect your opinion just as much. So I'm not trying to get you to adopt my way of thinking. I'm trying to give you information so that you can make balanced decisions. So from that standpoint, I guess I don't get as emotionally, politically, if you please, vested in some of the big macro issues touching the game. Because to a very real degree, I feel like I'm just like you sitting on the sidelines watching all this and trying to figure out what it means. But where I do become very vested, where I do feel like it's inherent in even the name of this show, Fairways of Life, is the people. And I guess that's also part of the reason that I don't have as harsh of perspective over decisions that people make because I respect the fact that people are making decisions that they feel are best for them. And it's balanced against many other things. To hear Gary tell his story and to realize, just like everybody, everybody has issues. In his case, it was an incredibly serious one. Was this tumor pressing against different parts of his brain? For him to tell us that because of where it is in the brain, they were unable to get it all. But they think they cut off its blood supply. And they're continuing to monitor it. It is incredible. And that he's back out playing again. So, and I asked you guys this question the other day where, where we have this contrast that, that exists on tour now. Signature events, non-signature events. The signature events are designed with the big purses and no cuts and everything is set up to roll out the red carpet to get the best players there. Okay. Uh, and then we have an event like the, the Sony this week where it's a full field event with a cut. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm equally as intrigued because I love to see good golf play. It, do I like to see the best of the best play well? Yeah. I do. I'm very entertained by that. But I like to see anybody play well. thing I go back to in my mind was Chris Kirk and Eric Cole last year down at what was then called the Honda. I I thought that was incredibly compelling golf. Really, really entertaining. And so, yeah, I'm going to be very entertained to see how Gary does. And I will be really wishing and hoping uh, for the very, very best for him. I don't know what the expectations should be this week. I, I, I'm pleased. My sense is that he's not putting a massive amount of pressure upon himself because he's trying to see what, what his brain can handle, which is, which is incredible uh, that he has that kind of self-awareness to put it into, into that context. Like the body's okay. feels like he can hit the shots. Just not sure if, as he put it, that he's going to have the focus. It's just one of these incredible stories in the game of golf. Uh, More coming up. We'll wrap it up uh, in the next segment. I want to find out what you guys voted on in Dom's question of the day. Uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more from you guys about some of the subjects that we covered today. We're going to hear from a major champion in just a second, too. We'll have it for you right after this. I guess, hello world, huh? (laughs) And with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. 
Beachstone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boeing Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boeing Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boeing Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boinggolf.com. I think when you're training for other sports or you're what why most people go to the gym is so that they can like have muscles and you know be strong and be healthy and a lot of the reason why they struggle to play golf is their body doesn't move properly for them to be able to hit a golf ball and when you're training for golf it's a little bit different because you're focused more on flexibility and mobility and being uh, strong in motion when you're able to kind of have a warm-up and have a workout routine and kind of gradually build up to where you're training your body to move properly yeah you're going to get a lot of big dividends on the golf course Easy now, find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips, where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. What if we started a company and the company was under no time constraints, no financial constraints? The one constraint is their clubs had to be exceptional performers and much better than any other alternative. I was told time and again, it'll never work. It worked like a house of fire. And I'll tell you what, I think our customers love it. BXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary three-in-one design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart, the decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. I kind of got away from my DNA and my golf swing a little bit for a while um, and going through a change and you know really the rehab that I did and you know through from October of 22 to December of 22 um, it helped but it didn't solve the problem it was kind of just putting a band-aid on you know a, on something that needed um, way more and so um, you know, I had six months to really, you know, be at home, really think about, you know, the time over 22, just because 22 was kind of shot out of a cannon for me. Um, and I think that, you know, really being able to process um, how I want to swing the golf club again, um, you know, what are some things that I need to change in my daily habits. Um, it's been, I've, I've definitely seen the benefits and, you know, the kind of the adage of, I don't know who told it to me, but, you know, injuries are 80% mental and 20% physical. Um, I've definitely learned that the hard way because this is definitely the first major injury I've ever had. Um, and so, you know, realizing that each week I'm going to keep progressing. Um, you know, even if I think that I'm at 100%, I still could be better in the next coming weeks. So um, I played probably 
too much in 21, maybe a little bit too much in 22 in the sense of that I really wanted um, to play, you know, really wanted to get my first win, really wanted to, you know, was so close in those majors. And it takes a lot out of you. And I think, um, you know, I've, I've got a kind of a mental freshness and a better take of it now. And I was doing, you know, looking at the tour schedule, and I think I've only – I think there's only like five or six events I haven't played on tour now, so it's not like I need to get to you know tournaments Monday morning anymore. Well, I've only won three times. The, the other two times I won, I, I didn't, I didn't really like the way that I responded to winning. It was like I worked so hard, all I wanted to do was win a tournament, and then I'd win, and then it's like you have to take like a breather, like oh thank thank God, like that finally happened. Um, the difference that I felt after winning the Open was more of like wow that was so cool i would do anything to do that again and so i'm almost like extra motivated to to stay at that level where i know that that i'm in a place to where if i popped off a big week that you know something cool could happen so i'm super motivated to keep my game in a place where i'm like ready to do something else if that makes sense i know um, this was your first start as a tour member back in 2012 do you have any kind of vivid memories from that week yeah i have a, I have a funny anecdote from that week so i'm playing with matt every who's a, you know one of the funniest guys and um there's always a couple of uh sponsor exemptions like sony with with you know a couple of sponsor exemptions so we're, we're playing with this playing with this kid and matt and i you know he he you know he's very nervous and there's photographers all over the place and he actually, I think, dribbled a couple off the tee boxes. And Matt and I made the comment, they're like, don't think this kid's got it, right? Don't, like, don't think this guy's going to make it. Hideki Matsuyama. <laughs> yeah, I guess he made it all right. Notable players at the Sony. I'll be giving you some airtimes coming up in just a little bit. You heard uh, Ludwig Ober was the, the conversation that we had with Billy Kratzer at length. On yesterday's program, we talked about a lot of things, but Ludwig was one of the things that he touched on, and we aired that for you again today. Matt Fitzpatrick is there. Uh, Terrell Hatton is there. There's some names that are big DP World Tour players. I'm kind of surprised they're not in Dubai. I'd be curious if uh, we get a chance to hear from this week as to what decision they made as to being in Hawaii. Maybe it was because they went over there already. They made the effort to go over there for for the century, and so they might as well just stay couple weeks in paradise versus shooting back over to Dubai. I'm not sure which way, which way you'd go. I guess you would, I guess you would fly over Asia, right? And go to Dubai that direction. Somebody out there knows the answer to that. Uh, as to the air times, let's, uh, let's take a look at that for, for this week. So we get you set up as to when and where the Sony open coverage. Uh, we have it for you in golf channel from 7 PM Eastern time on Thursday through Saturday. On Sunday, you can see it's split around Golf Channel and on NBC. ESPN Plus is the locale for PGA Tour Live. There you can see it coming around around lunchtime on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday later on Sunday. And then PGA Tour Radio, which you can hear on the PGA Tour app. You can hear it on PGATour.com. Both of them are free. They work worldwide. Or if you subscribe to National Satellite Service, Sirius XM, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. There you can see the time Sunday at 3 p.m. for the radio side. Okay, Dom, so as we wrap up here, uh, tell me about what you're hearing from the people. I'm curious about what happened with your survey about asking the question, is this time of year that we're in right now? And you can put the ish on it, however, whatever 
realm, you want to put it a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks on, what have you. Uh, is this the greatest time of year for sports, plural, across the board, or is it some other time of year you give them some options? Uh, yeah, before I do that, I'll read some comments coming in. There was a lot of reaction to uh, Gary Woodland's piece, which I think Amazing. was for both of us the same. John Burkett, our, one of our great team members, did a wonderful job putting that together for us to really give us a window into what Gary was dealing with. Uh, let him know you're there. Great to see you back, Gary. Be the ball, Gary. Uh, kudos to Woodland. What an incredible perseverance. Um, I can't believe he, he, he went through all of that. I mean, again, I, I don't think anybody had any clue that what he was dealing with was nearly that severe. And so it was, it was just crazy to see that and hear from him. And you, there's a lot of support in the group today of folks who are clearly – how do you not root for Gary Woodland this year? Exactly. But the question of the day was what you said. What time of the year – is best for sports. I had four options right now. June-ish, right? Because you got, and I, we forgot about Wimbledon, but you've got, you know, everything going on in golf. It's the heart of the season. There's a lot going on there. October-ish, same thing. And then the, the last option I, I wrote, who knows? Because golf is going around, uh, uh, sports is happening year-round, and depending on what your fancy is, maybe it's a different time of year. It's pretty well split, Matt. Right now has 17%. June-ish has 31%. October-ish has 14%. And who knows is at 38%. So there is not really a, major, a majority, but the general majority of that entire group really can't decide. There's, there's too many good points, touch points in the year with so much great stuff happening, Matt. Which, makes, which shows you why it's so great. I got to ask you one last question before yeah. we wrap up for today, Dom. With yeah. all due respect, what... Are you wearing? It, it looks a little bit like an apron. What am I wearing? That's, that's very rude. What yeah. You, what, what, uh, this? Yeah. So I went to, oh, I spilled some food. <laughs> Whoops. Hold on a second. I mean, you the, the, that, the right? graphic of what. The it, peanut butter Andrew, tell in. me if I'm wrong. The, the graphic of in. what he's wearing, it looks okay. like a pig or nice a bear. Like it's getting busy with so, a T-Rex or something. I mean, I, what the heck is that? I will, I will, this, this shirt, pullover, whatever it is, actually has pretty deep meaning for me. So I'll oh. very quickly share the story. Um, my wife and We're I really celebrated our 10th anniversary. We're really sorry if we've offended your sensibilities then by questioning it. This, we, about, we're all this, really we, sorry. We celebrated our 10-year anniversary in September, and we spent two years planning a trip to Banff and to Jasper National Park, yeah. which is one of the most beautiful drives and areas in the entire world. We had an mm -hmm. unbelievable time. We were walking through a store one evening, and this is a bear, and it says Banff National Park, and I grabbed this off the rack, and I said, honey, I like this, and we felt it. I'm big on comfort, and I was like, ooh, this is nice. I like it. I could wear this, and so I bought it, and this is, I only bought two pieces of apparel on the entire anniversary trip, and this is one of the pieces of apparel, and I love it, and I think it looks good, and that was mean. Andrew, can you can you zoom in on on the Dom? Just stand still for a second. You're you're, you're like Rodney Dangerfield. Like, ooh, this thing has got a lot of comfort. See, you can't even stand. Stop it's moving. Stop moving. It's a bear. All right, Andrew, could you go in and grab that thing? It is a bear, and 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 what's? Oh, the whole thing's the bear. I thought it was two different animals. Okay, Matt, you are 
useless. <laughs> yeah, okay. lovely. Moving it's great. on. <laughs> yeah, just it looks good. It looks it looks good. Looks good on you. Ooh. All right, Dom. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks for your company today. It was great as always. I keep teasing about it. We do have some news coming for you uh, as soon as we are able to discuss it publicly. T's crossed, eyes dotted. Can't wait to share it with you because you guys are a part of the Fairways of Life family. And that is a family that we'll meet again. Until such time, you guys be well. Goodbye for now.